know, you can learn a lot from the conversations people have, especially conversations with God. And a lot of the, the best of them are written down for us for our benefit uh, in the Bible, and we can, we can read them. And I was thinking about um, one of the stories of the, about one of the kings of Israel, King Solomon, um, the young King Solomon, right at the, the very beginning of his reign. He has this conversation with God. It's, it's, he's praying, and it's, it's actually in a, in a dream, but he's talking to God, and it's, a real, it's very real. And God speaks to Solomon and says to him, Solomon, what do you want? Ask me anything, and I will do it for you. And that's it's very, uh, they're amazing words because I've actually had the same words spoken over me that I, I know God has been saying that to me in the past. What do you want so I can do it for you? Sometimes God waits for us to work out what we want. It's because he's trusting you and he will do what you want. We're always saying, God, what do you want? And he's saying, well, what do you want? We need to figure that out sometimes. It's actually central to my message actually we'll get to it in a little little while but Solomon says you know God I I don't know what I'm doing anyone here now don't put up your hand but at some point in our life we're all like that we don't have a clue if you think you've got your life fully sorted and everything's good you know exactly what you're doing all the time God bless you Uh, that's wonderful I really want to learn some things from you but most of the time, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. And, but Solomon says to God, I've just been appointed the king. I'm like a child. I don't know how to govern. Help me, God. And this is what God says to him. We're going to read it from 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. We can stick it up there on the screen. It says, this is, this is what... Um, This is Solomon's prayer. God, give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? I didn't bring that over, did I, Paul? Yeah. Okay, sorry, it's not there. Sorry, Abby. It's on the email if you want to bring it across. It is there. I was going to read these scriptures out. It is there. Um. See, I told you I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I just did that as an example to prove the point. But God says, for Solomon says, who by himself is able to govern this great people of ours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. And then so God replied, this is what God said to Solomon, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame, No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. So today, I want to talk about stewardship, being a good steward of God's resources. Because like Solomon, Solomon asked for wisdom. He wanted to know what to do. And God said, you know, because you've asked for that, now I know I can trust you. Now I know I can trust you with what I really want to pour into your life anyway. And stewardship is about being trusted by God. And so 
Uh, I'm going to give you some practical points about this a bit later on, but we're also going to talk about being uh, about the philosophy of uh, what it means to be a good steward. See, steward and manager are the same word in the Bible. So, you know, uh, the Bible is full of stories about, um, Jesus told lots of stories about being a good manager, how to be a good manager. And so I, I believe it's, it's something that uh, we all need to think about, how to be a good manager of God's resources. You know, when it, when it comes to receiving from God and living in His provision, God's provision for our life, uh, you know, faith is really important. It's so important that we have faith. That means that you can see something bigger. You can see, you know, what God wants to do for your life. If you can't see it, you'll probably never experience it. You'll never be able to uh, take hold of it in your life. So faith is really important, being able to see something in the future. But just as important is this whole area of stewardship, which means that God can trust you with what He wants to do in your life. I think it's really necessary for us to get a hold of that. We're having a few little glitches here today. Here we go. We're all good. Being a good steward of God's resources, the person that can handle God's resources, can handle His provision, can handle, here's a tricky word, wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H. Now, I, I say that a bit like that because some people don't like talking about that about wealth and about money but you know what god is not embarrassed by talking about wealth he's not talking he's not embarrassed by talking about money <laughs> the bible is full of it the bible talks about money all the time jesus spoke more about money and possessions than just about any other subject so if we don't talk about it Guess what? We're not giving to this subject the emphasis that the Bible and Scripture gives to it. And I want us to do that. I want us to give the same emphasis to every subject that the Scripture gives to it. That's why we're always talking about Jesus, because the Bible is always about, is all about Jesus. So um, I'm not ashamed, I'm not embarrassed to talk about money, and neither is God. So, um, so what is stewardship? Uh, stewardship, just ask the question, can you be trusted? Can you be trusted? And like I said, Jesus talked about being a good manager all the time. In Matthew 25, verse 14, there's a great story that Jesus told, and you've, you've read this before probably or heard of this story, that you know the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Oh, it's up there. Look at that. He called, thank you. That's awesome. Hey, give these guys a hand. They are impressive. They got it worked out. I don't know what I'm doing, but they do, and that's what we need. We need people to know, know what they're doing. <laughs> Top marks. <laughs> they need a promotion, all those people up there. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And he called together his servants and entrusted the money, his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. Well, you know, there's a whole story that comes after that about what happened. But I just want us to think about that. The fact that he divided 
it in proportion to their abilities. I mean, why? I mean, I thought God was so generous. He just showers his blessing on everybody and it's all just random. And, you, you know, it says he divided it in proportion to their abilities. Why didn't he give the guy who got one, why didn't he get five? Is that because God is mean? Is that because God, you know, is not generous? No, God is careful. He is a good steward. In fact, that is my point. I'm jumping ahead of myself. But the point is that he's calling us to be good managers because he is a good manager. God is a good manager of his resources. And, and I ask the question, why is that? Why is it? Is it because, you know, he's careful, he doesn't want to run out? No, 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 no. God has unlimited resources. It's not because he's trying to give you some and someone else a bit more and someone else a bit less. He, he's not going to run out. And it's sure not because he's stingy. It's not because he's tight-fisted. God is generous. In fact, in the Bible, we can read plenty of places where God is, there's an extravagant side to God. It says he flung the stars into place. You know, he showers his blessing on people. He does. He is extravagant, but he's a good manager as well. He is a very good manager. That might make a YouTube short, Paul. But anyway, he is, God is extravagant, but he's also a great manager. I think I just spoiled it by saying that. <laughs> anyway. His stewardship, this is what his stewardship is about. This is what God's stewardship is all about. He doesn't want to give us things that would harm us. He doesn't want to just pour something into your life that won't do you a lot of good. And I'll explain that in a few moments. We're going to talk this morning about how to be a great steward of God's resources because He is a great steward and He wants us to be the same. Here's, here's some practical things. And, and uh, the first thing is uh, God wants us to have and to get a new attitude, just to get a better attitude or a great attitude. <laughs> Having a great attitude is always a good thing. But let me just share this, folks. If you believe, if you can take hold of the idea today that God is fundamentally good. I know we sing songs about this all the time. We talk about it all the time. And we're never going to stop talking about it and singing about it. God is fundamentally good. If you can believe that, if you can take hold of that truth and that He has unlimited resources, and if you can believe this morning that He is for you, He is 100% for you, He's in your corner he wants the best for you. You know what? You can have confidence that in, in putting your life in His hands, that's a good thing. Can you agree with that this morning? Is that, is it, am I, I, know, I know I'm not saying anything you know, too radical here, but if you can take hold of that, it's a wonderful thing. Now, I know I'm probably dramatizing this a little bit. You might think too much. But actually, a lot of people struggle with these things. A lot of people struggle to really believe that God is 100% for them. They're not 100% sure about that. Now, when it comes to attitude, you know, and we're talking about money here and wealth, um, you, could, you could say, for example, you could choose to say this, and maybe you've said this, I hate paying my taxes. I hate paying tax. Tax is terrible. There might have been a time in the past when I actually might have said that. But... I hate paying tax. You can say that. Or you can say, you know what? We live in the most amazing country. We have democracy. 
Not all places have that, by the way. If you watch your TV screen any time, night or day, you'll see what's happening in the world where places are being destroyed because they don't have democracy. We have freedom in our country. We have amazing prosperity. We've got incredible things in this country. And when you pay your tax, guess what you're doing? You are feeding the goose that lays the golden egg for every one of us. Now, that is the truth. And so we need to pay our taxes, and we should do it joyfully, joyfully. Now, is the, does the goose eat too much? Yes, it does. That's true. But you probably eat too much too, so that's okay. That's okay. We all do. All right, so um, just have joy when you pay your tax and say, I'm being blessed, and I'm blessing someone else, and it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. You might say... I don't want to be bothered with planning for the future. I'm just going to spend like there's no tomorrow. Have a think about this. You know, people who say that, people who say, I'm going to spend like there's no tomorrow, people who say that, say it because they don't believe tomorrow can be better than today. They're not convinced of a better tomorrow. But I want to tell you today, friends, God believes in your tomorrow. He wants you to believe for a great future, to have a better future. God cares about your tomorrow, and so you should care about your tomorrow as well. My second point is learn how to use money, not be used by money. Now, now you know as well as I do that money is amoral. That means it's not either good or bad. So, you, you know, like the love of money is the root of all evil, you know, but not money itself. When people are snared by it, when people give their whole life to it, you know, uh, that's a problem. But money is amoral. It's not spiritual. It's just transactional. It's what we exchange for other things. It's, it's value that we exchange for something else. So money is meant to serve us. It's meant to serve you and me. Um, I was thinking yesterday morning I got up that amazing Bob Dylan song. Who's a, how many Bob Dylan fans do we have here? I was thinking of you, Warren. I'm sure you, I thought you'd be, a, thought you'd be, a, or maybe you did. <laughs> Going to serve somebody. That one? Yeah, that one? Ages ago. I'll have to look that up again. Because, you know, everyone's going to serve somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. And so, you don't want to be serving money. Uh, let's read the scripture from Luke 16, verse 13. No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, you, you know, you don't want to be in that position where money drives your whole life. You don't want to be like that. Because money has a way of testing our hearts testing what's going on on the inside of us. Abraham Lincoln was, has been credited with this, this quote, nearly all men or all people can stand adversity, hard times. Nearly everyone can stand up to hard times. But if you want to test someone's character, give them power. Power is what really tests a person's heart. And here's another quote. Money doesn't change you it reveals who you are when you no longer have to be nice. 
That's true. That's true. It made me think of the movie Richie Rich. Who's, who knows that movie, Richie Rich? It's a great movie, you know? And you know that the guy who, who you know, uh, gets rid of the owner of the company and, and then he says, now I'm going to move up to a much bigger office. You know that line? Moving up to a much, you know, his, his attitude, he was, he was a bad dude when he, had the reason, when he had the money, you know? Money reveals what's really going on on the inside of us. It's, it shows who you are when you no longer have to be nice. So here's the third point today. Have a plan for your financial future. And I'm, I'm speaking with some trepidation here this morning because we have professional financial planners in, in our meeting this morning. So <laughs> I'm, being, I'm trying to be careful, and I know I'm going to leave heaps of things out, but I'm just, uh, just going to share this anyway. Here's, here's a line. If you remember one thing from what I say today, it's this. It's one little, little line, and it goes like this. What you do with what you have is more important than what you have. What you do with what you have is more important than what you have. That's being a good steward. That's being a good manager of the resources you already have. And then God says, I'm going to pour more into your life. Oh, if only I had more money. Just think of what I'd be able to do. I would organize my life a whole lot better if I had more money. No, you wouldn't. If you can't organize it right now, you'll never organize it with a lot more money. What will happen is a lot more money will just damage your future. You know, you know what happened? I, I, I meant to look this research up. There's, there's research that shows that people who win lotteries, you know, I don't even know what the names are. Tats lottery. What, what do they call them now? Whatever they are. The, whatever lotteries are called, people who win them, the big money, you know, like $10 million and $20 million and that. The, there's research that shows that after 10 years, I think it is, if I got this correct, almost all of those people are in a worse position financially than they were when they started. And their family and those around them usually have, uh, their, their relationships have been damaged by it. So the solution to your financial problems is not winning the lottery. And I'm not trying to tell you, you know, no, you can apply that however you want. You, you, you can apply that however you want. If you just can't wait to get out of here to go and buy a ticket in something, that's your, I'm not, that's, that's up to you, okay. But, but I'm saying, put God number one in, in your life and let Him prosper you. And if you can be responsible with what you've got, you're going to find that more is going to be poured into your life. Okay, number one, start with a realistic assessment of what you have. <laughs> Denial is not just a river in Egypt. It's a real thing that affects all, all of us. It affects you and me. We, we don't want to be realistic about what we have. So, and write it down. Start writing some things down. Archie, I'm sure Archie's going to come to me later and tell, you know, you forgot about this and you didn't. Anyway, that's okay. <laughs> a realistic assessment of your costs and your income and everything you've got and look for ways that God will 
provide for you and believe that he wants to. Here's one of my favorite verses about this in Proverbs chapter 13. And it says, Abundant food is in the uncultivated ground of the poor, but it is swept away by injustice. Now, I know that injustice in our community is a problem. And as a church, we've got, uh, you know, there's a great open window of opportunity and, and a need for us to care for the poor, actually, and and to, uh, you know, be involved in, in alleviating injustice in our world. And, and we do do that. We do, in various ways, we do do that. But the first part is the part I want to focus on. Abundant food is in the uncultivated ground of the poor. If you, if you would consider yourself to be poor today, or not having enough to live on, or, you know, you're really struggling financially, and there may well be people here that are in that category. This verse is saying, have a look at the things, the the resources you've already got now that you're probably not using that well. Like if you've got a, no, I'm not going to be specific about this, but, but all of us have got parts of our life that we could do better with. You know, that might be intellectual property, for example. It might be you know, something it might be physical strength that you can do things that you haven't thought of yet. And just ask God, what can, God, how can I meet these needs be met? The uncultivated ground, the parts of my life that I'm not utilizing, I'm not using. God, how can you provide for me in those ways? That might be well where it starts. So, um, the next point, look, look at your costs objectively all the costs that you have now this is just practical stuff this morning um, but it's all really really grounded in, in scripture as well look at your costs and write them down all, all the costs that you have in your life write them down because I, I remember the time when we uh, first started to write down all of our costs and we got a book a hard copy book and wrote lots of columns in it about a dozen columns one was for electricity one was for phone the phone bill you know then was groceries all, all the stuff and I, and I we started putting small amounts every week in those columns now you can put it in a jar under the bed if you want but we just put it in the columns because i wanted to leave it in the bank actually and so we did that for quite a few years. And what happened during that time, we got on top of all of our costs because we knew what they were. You know, you might be saying, well, I have no idea where my money goes. It just, it just gets away from me. You know, well, sure, you know, you can come and manage my company. Yeah, no worries at all. Not really, no. You've got to work out how to manage your expenses and your costs if you're going to have more responsibility and more responsibility down the track. It's, it is necessary. It's important. Here's the last one of these. Learn to live on less than 100% of what you earn. Now, I, I'm actually not making this up this morning, folks, but wealth advisors and leadership coaches all over the world say exactly the same thing. And there's variations of this. But Learn to live on less than 100% of what you earn. In fact, many of the ones that I listen to and, and read say, set a goal to live on 70% of what you earn. Now, some of you might be wilting on the inside right now saying, oh, no, if you, if you only knew, you know, how tight my finances are, 
you know. If you knew how much month was left at the end of my money, you know, or it might be how much, how much day is left at the end of my money, it might be, I don't know. But you wouldn't say that. That's why I said set a goal. You don't necessarily start off just there, but set a goal and say the time will come one day I will be able to live on 70% of the income that I've got. And uh, here's what people say. You know, again, I didn't make this up, um, but I'm, I'm going to share it, but I am sharing it with you this morning. What about the other 30%? Set aside 10% to give to God or a charity, but especially give to people struggling to make ends meet. Now, I'm trying to be as generic as I can here, you know. Set aside 10% to give to God or a charity, but especially people struggling, people who aren't doing as well as you are. You know what happens when you do that? It does something for you on the inside. Now, I'm not here to tell you today that, that if you give 10% of your income to God, God is going to bless you. I don't even believe that. God's already blessed you. He has already poured out his life for you. He gave his best. He gave his son. And he hasn't got... That's his best. He gave his best for you. Okay, set 10% aside to give to God or in some way give it to people struggling to make ends meet. Then save 10%. Again, you're not going to probably start off doing this, but you can set a goal to do this. And then the other 10%, invest it, or you can use that in other discretionary spending or, or whatever you might need. But if, if, you're, if you're really struggling, again, if you're still saying, oh, you don't know how, my, how, how bad my finances are, I understand that. And God, do you think God doesn't see that? If God knows you, you're, how, how tight your finances are. He, he knows everything about you. And He loves you so much. And here's the thing. God is not trying to take anything from you. <laughs> this is all about... This is not about God taking anything from you. It's about God getting resources to you to fulfill His plan, to do what He wants to do. And we're so often so focused on our plans. This is a word from God for someone. And it goes like this. God says, if only you could find yourself in the middle of my plans, God's plans, you're going to discover fulfillment, life, and joy like you've never had before. I, I pray someone will take that to heart. Find yourself in the middle of God's plans and you'll discover fulfillment and joy and life like you've never had before. I remember the time when, um, years ago, um, we were living at Chinchilla and uh, I, Del and I, we had a band, like a Christian rock band, okay? So we, 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 we had an amazing time. We were traveling around the place quite a bit. And uh, this is before you were born, Dave. So, uh, and um, oh, that's a long time ago. <laughs> so we were traveling. We'd, go, we'd come, come to Brisbane in Toowoomba quite a lot. Brisbane, the Gold Coast, and Western Queensland, everywhere around. And we were, was, we were enjoying it, and it was just awesome. And this guy came to our church in Chinchilla, and, uh, and he prophesied over me. And he said, God says, I want you to leave yours and join mine. (laughs) 
and I've never forgotten that because um, it was such a simple little phrase, but so pertinent and so relevant. And, and it was literally, it was only a few weeks or months after that, very shortly after that, that we got an invitation to leave there and go to up to far north Queensland to help plant a new church. And I instantly knew it was a God thing. It was a God moment in history for us to do that. And so we did. We just, I just said in my heart, yes, straight away, this is, this is a God thing for us. And so it meant a lot of change and a lot of uh, up, you know, all, all of our financial plans. We just built a new house and you know, we had a good business that was making good money and all kinds of stuff. But I knew it was a God thing. Leave yours and join mine. So God is not trying to take things from you. He's trying to get resources to you to fulfill his plan for your life. Hey, what about this? I was thinking about um, the biggest church in the world, which is in Korea, South Korea. It's called Full Gospel Central Church in Seoul, Korea. At one stage, it had about 800,000 members in it. Now it's about 570,000. It's, it's sort of come down a little bit. And, um, but the, the, the guy that built that church, his name is Yonggi Cho, he passed away last year, but he wrote a lot of books. And one of the books he wrote, years and years ago now, about faith, he told this story and he said, he, he planted this church amongst the, the poorest suburbs in Seoul. Amongst the, Seoul's a huge city, by the way, very big. And the, the, amongst the poorest people. And he built this church. And when he wrote this book some years later, there were a thousand millionaires in his church. And he said, almost none of them were wealthy when they joined the church. They became wealthy through understanding about faith and understanding about God's provision and what God wanted to do to bless them and getting resources into their hands to fulfill his plan and his purpose. So I want to just encourage you this morning and say that God is not going to, you're not going to be left out if you put your trust in God's hands. Here's another great story from the Bible. Um, in, in the Gospels, it's in uh, Luke 21 and Mark, I think, uh, 14. But Jesus is talking about Jesus and his disciples one day. They're at the temple, and Jesus was always going to the temple, you know. And one day, his, they were just there, and they must have had a big, some sort of a big barrel, I think, I'm not sure what it was like, but people would come and they would put offerings in there, put money in there, because it was a law. They, they had a law that they had to give money you know, okay, to the church. And so, or to the temple in those days. So Jesus and his disciples are there and they're watching. You know, <laughs> we don't do it that way these days, okay, because it says somewhere else, don't let anyone know how much you're giving, all right? So <laughs> but Jesus is there and he's watching. And he's watching some people put in lots of money. Maybe bring in a big bag and coins or whatever and put it in there. And some came and they put in modest amounts. And then along comes this widow, this little old lady, and she puts in literally two cents, two cents worth. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, wow, did you see that? Hey, hey, come and have a look at this. Did you see what she, she just put in more than all of those. And they're saying, what? What do you mean? She put in next to nothing and they put in heaps. What? 
he said to them, I'm paraphrasing this slightly, but he said, the person who gives the most of what they have is giving the most. And she gave the most of what she has because it says that in Luke 20, 21. And here's the point. It's not about the amount you give. It's not about that. It's about what it represents of what you have. It's what it represents of your life that counts when you give. Not about the amount. It's what it represents of your life. So here's a question. Why didn't Jesus chase after this woman? He could have gone after her and said, Hey, hey, lady, slow down. You know, uh, look, my disciples and I had a little conference and we decided, Hey, you're too poor. You, you know, you can't, you, you can't afford to give that. So we want to give it back to you. Why didn't he do that? The Bible doesn't tell us. I tell you, the reason why he didn't is because when you put your life in God's hands, you need to know that's the safest place to be and you won't miss out. You won't miss out. So Jesus let her give and have the, act, the dignity of that giving, even though it was actually a huge donation from her. The issue is not the amount. It's am I willing to trust God? So here's my last point. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God today. So why, why do people say, give 10% to God? Why, why do people say that? There's a good reason. For a, for a long time, if you read the first part of the Bible, for a long time, people were required to do that. It was actually, it was like a law. It was a law that you had to do this. You had to give 10%. And it was all worked out, 10% of this, and this is what it's for, and all the detail. Now, we're not under that law. Like, we are not living in the old covenant. We've got a new covenant with God through Jesus. And we're not under the law. We're under a thing called grace. God's grace, where He has poured out His favor upon us. We're under His grace right now. However, this idea of giving 10% to God was modeled for a long time before it ever became a law. It, it just was. So again, the issue is, for us, the issue is not the amount. The issue is really, at its core, am I willing to trust God with my life? And it's, that's the part we all struggle with. That's the difficult part. To believe, here's the thing, to believe that God is more dedicated to our good and more aware of what that means even than I am. God is more dedicated to my good and He's more aware of what that actually means than I am. To believe that today, and I encourage you, oh, and I want to challenge you to believe that and put your trust in God. Because when you do, when you stake your claim, it's like the idea of putting a stake in the ground and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, put a stake in the ground and I, I, I'm not going back. I can only go forward from that point. It's like, you know, when you're, who's ever, who's ever been in a, a big um, a tug of war, you know, a tug of war with a big thick rope, you know, a couple of teams, maybe 20 people behind you and people on the other side and, you know, you and there's a line in the middle. You've got to, you've got to get, you, you can't go backwards, you've got to go forwards. But put a, put, a, put a stake in the ground. So we fail to trust God sometimes because we assume 
He's not truly for us. And if we give him complete control, we'll end up not having what we need for our life. That's the real issue. But I want to challenge you this morning to to deal with that and, and to nail that thing and say, I am going to put my trust in God. Trust in God, believing he has your best interests at heart. So today, why not, I'm, I'm asking, why don't you take the plunge and start giving to God and test, test Him. The Bible actually says, test God in this. And, um, you know, and look, we, we have, all of us, have the opportunity to respond in faith to God's grace that He's been pouring out and He's poured out in our lives. So I wonder, can our creative team just come back right now? You know, there's a, there's a part in the Old Testament of the Bible uh, that's a long time, again, before the law, right back at the very beginning of the Bible. And it says, God made this promise to Abraham and said, Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, and he says, I'm, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing to many, many other people. I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing to many, many others. And, you know, that promise to Abraham that God made to him was never, ever superseded. I said before that the law has been superseded by God's grace. Well, this part is not in the law. It came earlier. It's never, ever been superseded. God's promise. In fact, it says we, every one of us who have faith in Jesus, we are all children of God by faith in Jesus. So that's still relevant for us. God's promise to bless you. He said, I'm going to make you a blessing. It's a promise to us, and it's still as relevant today as it ever was then. I wonder, can we sing that song, you know, um, about the cross? Hallelujah. I wonder why to stand up this morning. Can we stand in God's presence today? Your love poured out. His love has been poured out so much for us. Your love poured out on the cross for me.